0: The Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2009. Here's Chris sharing on step two. Yeah, good morning, everyone. My name's Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. (coughs) I'm gratefully sober today. My sobriety date's the 20th of December 1990, and um, my home group's the Ask to Freedom Steps groups in boring on a Tuesday night. It's funny, isn't it? We get nervous standing up in front of a microphone and talking to a heap of people, and I was just reflecting. When I was drunk, I love microphones and entertaining people. <laughs> and, um, you know, I stand up here nervous today worrying about well, what you're going to think of me, and I didn't worry too much about that about 18 years ago, so. Uh... Yeah, look, um, all week I was thinking I got asked to share, and I thought I'll, I'll write down some notes, you know, just to keep me on track, because I tend to wander off, and, uh, And it dawned on me the other day that, um, you know, I'll just trust and rely upon God and what comes out comes out. And um, my head's telling me now, you idiot, you should have written down some notes. (laughs) So as you can see, I'm um, slowly getting restored to sanity. Look, I, um, you know, I say my sobriety date and and to stand up here, you know, nearly 19 years sober... It rolls off the tongue very, very easy. But um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on between in those nineteen years. I I came to the first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and just to give you a background, I'm gonna go on a drinking story, but a background of my relationship with God was that I knew through my upbringing and what I'd heard about God that that I was in big trouble because, you know, I had a list of all the bad things I'd ever done in my life and this is a list of the good things I'd done in my life and if God ever caught up with me I was in big trouble. You know, I was going down there, wherever down there was and uh, you know, and I roll up to my first meeting, and it's in a church, and and there's God up on the wall, and um, I want to run because you know God's finally caught up with me for all the broken promises and all the. <laughs> my drink line's not that good. It's in here. <laughs> so I I I was shit scared. Excuse the French. I prayed about not swearing today, but um, and so. I see all this God up on the wall, and I know I'm in trouble because He's going to get me for everything that I've ever done in my life, and um, and um, and so I'm scared, and um, really, really scared. And um, and I was to keep that fear for a long time around Alcoholics Anonymous. I wouldn't look at you know anything to do with with the God bit. And um, it's been said here today that, that Step One is so important, and and it's probably from from my experience, Step One is the most important step because if I get Step One. Or, and I feel it in here, the rest of the steps are a breeze, absolute breeze, because it pushes me through the rest of the steps. If I can see where, you know, um, I have no power over alcohol, you know, I drink no matter what, I, um, you know, my head convinces me to drink when I don't want to drink, and once I pick up that drink, I am gone, I just keep drinking until I can't fit any more in, or or, um, or um, vomit, or whatever it is, and... and and, and I can't stop drinking. And if I see that at a deep down gut level and have a first step experience, the second step becomes very, very easy because I can't do it by myself. I can't stop myself. So I need something to stop me from drinking. And, um, and so, you know, I didn't get that to start off with. I, I used to stand up here and say, my name's Chris and I'm alcoholic because everyone else did. And I desperately wanted to fit in somewhere. I didn't want to stop drinking, but I knew you people had something and I wanted to fit in with what you... Because you seem to have something, you're all laughing and happy, and and, um, and so I um, I just used to say I'm an alcoholic because everyone else did. I didn't understand what an alcoholic was. I I thought it was because of all the stupid things I did when I was drunk, and 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 all the escapades and the lock-ups and the .05 charges and the bashings and the all the the consequences of drinking. And, and I've I've since learned that normal people do those things when they're drunk. It doesn't qualify me to be what an alcoholic is. And um, I was standing in a meeting one day, I think I was about three years sober and a guy talked about, you know, always going to the pub to have a couple and he had to be home by a certain time and, um, and he can never get home by that certain time. He promised his wife would be home at 6 o'clock and, and he would hit the pub at 4.30 and all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock at night and he's looking for elsewhere to go. I identify with that because that's what I did. You know, my mates in the pub used to say, your, your missus is fantastic, she lets you drink till 6 o'clock and come home. But I could never go home at 6 o'clock. You know, I had, I had commitments and responsibilities, you know, I had to be home so she could go off to work because we had a young daughter and I never made it. Now, you would think, you know, knowing that you had those responsibilities you should be able to make it home and people used to look at me stupid and I had every intentions of making it home by 6 o'clock. Every intentions. But somewhere something changed along that line that I could never make at home. And then I, I'd go through the remorse and the guilt and sorry God, you know, just, if you let me you get the missus off me back this time I'll be a good boy and, you know, I won't drink so much and, and all this plea bargaining with God and so, and I guess that's the state that I rolled up in Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, it's a, it's a funny, funny place this place, you know, and, and we have, we suffer with a funny disease, you know, we, 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 we come to the fork in the road where it says, you know, IA says, look, you can take this spiritual life, and it's, it's you know you're going to know a new freedom, and you'll get connected with a higher power. You're going to be able to help people that no one else can, or you can have um, alcoholic death, and we sit back and go, oh, can I think about that for a minute? And that's what I did. You know, I'm not going to accept spiritual help. I'll, I'll just check out alcoholic death for a while. You know, and I suffered. I suffered. You know, my I had more problems being sober than I did when I was drinking and, and I heard an old guy say one day he said to me "Chris, sooner or later the pain of sobriety will outweigh the pain of your last drink and you will drink again and I'm like what are you talking about you old fart but I, underst- I understand today what he was talking about because if I don't do anything and, and I identify as a real alcoholic the book talks about what a real alcoholic is If if I suffer with that you know, I may be suffering from only, from a disease that only a spiritual experience will conquer. And, and that's me. I need a spiritual experience to conquer because I get worse being sober than I do when I'm drinking. You know, my head goes nuts and, 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 and I walk over the top of people and I, I can't cope with life and, 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 and I run around like a lunatic and, um, and, and I can't drink to medicate it. So what do I do? You know, and I get left with a couple of options, uh, you know, I, I want to kill myself. You know, because that's the that's the only way I can see out of it. And you know, I've been I've been that stage probably three times in sobriety, at three years sober, and at ten years not two times, ten years sober. And um, and so um, you know, it wasn't until I I I, I started to see that. But how I came to believe in a power and and to get rid of all those old conceptions of God that I had. The Big Book makes it very simple, and all the members made it very simple. They said, why don't you choose your own conception of God, Chris, your own conception, because my conception was pretty way up there, you know what I mean, the punishing God that's going to get me. And and this old guy, Bert, on there, forgetting Big Book Bert, you know, said, why don't you have a, a loving God, Chris, that loves you regardless of what you've done? and um, and I, I thought, that's a novel idea, I'll give that a go. I've got nothing else to lose, I'll try that and see what happens. And part of me was saying, yeah, but he's still going to get you, you know. But I've, I've since I understand now it says in we Agnostics, you know, and there's a fair few pages from the start of the book, the doctor's opinion through to we Agnostics, that say, you know, talk about um, um, the first step. And I don't want to hone in on that too much because I'm talking about the second step, but it says, in the preceding chapters, we hope you've learned something of alcoholism. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And, um, and, and if, you, if you identify as an alcoholic, you, you may be suffering from a, a disease and only spiritual experience of conquer. But don't be discouraged because half our, half our original members were atheists or agnostics. And so that gives me a bit of hope because I'm, I'm really not sure about this God idea. So I read that and I think, well, OK, I'll just fake it and um, for the first couple of years you taught me how to fake it anyway because i would be standing meetings in meetings with that desperate, de- desperate desire to fit in with you guys I start saying the serenity prayer because everyone else is saying it so you bloody con me into saying a prayer that I didn't really want to say anyway it's a great con job Alcoholics Anonymous but uh, it's certainly you know it's it's the best thing that I've ever done and so how I came to believe I saw it working in others is how I came to believe I started knocking around with some young blokes because I come in at 26 years of age and you're all old really old and you wouldn't know anything about drinking because you're so old and um (laughs) And I hooked up with some young folks that were a couple of years sober and they were telling me their experience and how wonderful life was and, 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 and that they had a God in their life and, 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 and that I need to get that otherwise I was in trouble. And I believe what they were telling me because they showed me. I went to their house and, and I spent time with them and, and, and they were, you know, they were acting, showing me a sermon, not telling me one. And so I came to believe by, by seeing it in others. That's how I came to believe and, no. Uh, and, and that was a, the start of the journey for me. And, uh, and, and I moved on through the rest of the steps, you know, through a certain circumstance. I've got no reason to doubt God today because all along my path, people have been put in my path. All along, you know, from the first day I got sober to to up until today, you know, people have been put in my path. And, and, and again, I, you know, nothing I say is original. It's stuff I've heard on tapes or from older members. You know, a guy talked about that the only... only um, thing God's got to talk to us is through our conscience and through other people and so I better not disregard what other people say because that may be God's talking to me through other people and and sometimes I learn what to do and sometimes I learn not what to do from other people but um, you know I've and and this guy, his name was um, Bob Earl and he talked about an Eskimo, and, and you probably all heard the story, and I'm not going to go into it, but he, he called everyone Eskimos up until that stage that were people that come into his life, and that's been my experience. People have come into my life when I haven't really wanted it to be in my life, but they've showed me what to do and what not to do, and, uh, and um, you better keep an eye on the time, mate, because I tend to ramble. But, um, you know, so three years sober, I was able to... Um, I got dragged off to a big book study group, and I didn't want to go there, um, but an Eskimo come along and dragged me off to a big book study group, and um, there was a guy, one of those guys that I knocked around with when I first got sober was there and he was talking about stuff and he was on fire, absolutely on fire. And I thought, I want what you've got, I want what you've got. And um, so I went up to him and I said, you and me have been around the same amount of time, you've been sober three, I've been sober three years. I'm freaking dying and you're bloody on cloud nine, you know, helping people. What are you doing? And, and, and so he started to take me through that big book. Now the first step says we admitted we're and it, my interpretation of the steps, you know, I can't interpretate them off the wall. I've tried. I've had a look at them and, and, um, and tried to put my interpretation on them and, 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 and it wasn't until I actually read the instructions to it that I, I kindly got a understanding of what it, it means, But it does say we. So that to me um, means that I don't do it alone. I don't do that first step alone. I get someone to take me through and show me what it's all about. Because, you know, in my head, if I believe the insanity of the second step, I'm going to twist it and manipulate it and, and con it and to sit to suit me and, and to fit what I think it is. So, you know, I was able to go through with this guy and, and he took me through and I slow I, I, I understood what it was to be an alcoholic. It started to explain to me why it was that I drank when I didn't want to, why it was that I continued to drink when I didn't want to, and why it was that I, although I um, hammered people and, and walked over the top of people when I didn't want to and broke promises that I didn't want to. and Because uh, and, for three years no one could explain that to me. They just said, oh, don't worry, about your disease talking to you. <laughs> no, that didn't sit right with me. I wanted to know why it was that I promised my wife I was not going to drink today and I'll come home and I'll sort out the big fight that we had last night. I'm going to come straight home and we'll, and, we'll, and we'll deal with it. And I'd roll home 12 o'clock that night and wonder why she didn't want to talk to me um, or, or wake up asleep in the car. So, you know, I, I got an understanding of what an alcohol it was and, and once I've been crushed by that, that I can, that I can't, there's no... My power, my best thinking, my best power leads me back to a drink. I've got no alternative to, to um, believe that there's something else that's going to do it. And I'm glad it says Cain to believe. It doesn't say you're going to get it. God's going to come thundering down from the sky. Fortunately for Bill, that's what he had, but I've never met anyone that's had the thunder voice from the sky. I'm still waiting for it because part of my agnosticism is, you know, when he really belts out that thunder from the sky and says, Chris, do that, you know, I'll really, I'll really get it then, but... Um, <laughs> But if you look, I get that from people. And and so, um, I forgot where I was going with that, but um, so, it says Cain to believe in a power grain and self-restore us to sanity. And um, So I immediately, my head interprets that as, okay, once I come to believe, I'm going to be restored to sanity, because there's some pretty loony tunes going on upstairs here, I can tell you. And if I told you what I think half the time, you'd want to kill me too. <laughs> and... Um, It was pointed out to me not too long ago that um, the big book tells us when we get restored to sanity. It's one of the promises of the tenth step. It says, "For I can't rattle off all the promises, but it does say, for this time, sanity will have returned. So, you know, if I follow that process, and um, from step two all the way to step ten, sanity will have returned. And I've been restored to sanity with regards to alcoholism, okay? I'm still learning tunes, but I, I, I am re- restored to sanity with regards to that first drink. I know what it does, and, and, and God stands between me and that first drink, you know? That power, it talks about that the power must come from a higher power, it can't come from other people. It must be a power greater than you, and, and, and you know, what I'm saying here probably goes against what you hear around alcoholics, anonymous, but, that, but that's been my experience, you know? I, when I first came around, people said, don't pick up a drink under any circumstances. For one day at a time. Now, I had a fella come to me not too long ago and he's been busting NIA for 12 years. Now, if I tell him don't pick up a first drink under any circumstances and get to meet, he'll punch me in the face because that's what he's been doing and he still keeps picking up. But what I can do is offer him a solution and say, I've got a solution for you. And it's a bit more than not picking up that first drink. Sure, it helps if you don't drink, but that's not a prerequisite. It doesn't say anywhere in that big book to stop drinking. Not one bit in there does it say to stop drinking in the first 160 two pages 164 pages the doctor suggests entire abstinence is the only thing but that's the only place that tells me not to drink so you know i work with people that don't that are drinking too because i can offer them a solution if they want it drifting off step two but anyway um and so i'll cut jump forward probably running out of time but at 10 years sober you know i was not the prime example of what 10 years of sobriety was all about. I was thieving and stealing and, and um, standing up here telling you how wonderful it is and, 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 and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and, um, and, and I'd, my old ways had come back. Now, uh, A.A. Comes of Age talks about the amazing recuperative powers of the ego, okay? Now, I don't want to hear that because, um, you know... My ego's in check, you know. I was told the 12 steps of ego deflation at death, and I've done them, and you know, and, but, you know, my ego rebuilt itself that much that, um, you know, I couldn't get out of the house. And I wasn't, I was going to one meeting a week if I was lucky, sometimes one every two weeks. And, um, I think the convention was only in Melbourne in, back in 2000, it was. And, um, and so my wife's on the committee of Alanon at the convention, and she says, you come to the convention. I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm too busy. I've got other stuff to do, you know, and, uh, and I'm nuts upstairs. You know, I've been stealing money from the, the family business that I worked in, and 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 um, I knew it was the wrong thing to do. And I'd got that old that old thinking to come back. God's going to get you, Chris. He's going to get you. He, you know, you're a liar, a cheat, and a thief. And and um, and and something deep down inside me drove me to go to that convention. And um and I and I was at the convention. I didn't want to be there. And I was standing. This is how well I was going. You know, it's an Alcoholics Anonymous convention. And I'm standing behind my wife who's working at the, um, registration desk for the Al-Anon people. That's how well I'm going. You know, I don't even want to mingle with these people anymore because you'll see the real me. You'll see straight through me. And, you know, I don't want to tell you all this stuff because, you know, it deflates my ego because, you know, 10 years of sobriety is supposed to be, you know, a, a walking example. That's where, it, that's where my ego took me. And that's why it's so important for me to continually go through those steps. And I'd go through them completely on, once a year, but I try and practice 10, 11 and 12 you know, during the rest of that year. And so I get to the convention and, and, and I'm, I'm suicidal and I'm, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. And my wife says, why don't you go outside and just bloody sit down and meditate for a while? And, and so I go outside and I go to, there's a little amphitheater thing there. And I, I have my sunglasses on so no one will recognise me. And out of the corner of my eye, I see someone who I haven't seen for a long, long time. And I'm thinking, don't I don't even want to talk to you. Please don't recognise me. She's going, Chris, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and part of me wants to just run, but I go, I go over and I and I start talking. And she's sitting there with with, the, uh, with a woman who was later to become my sponsor. And um, this woman sat me on my ass because she could see my sickness. You know, the windows are the eyes that's of the soul, as they tell me. And um, as much as I try and hide that she saw straight through me and um, and so she was to become my sponsor and, and to take me back through the steps on a, on a real deeper level and, and she said to me some interesting things about the first and second step and um, know, where am I going, time don't you, yeah, plenty of time you know with the first step she said you know Chris why, why are you an alcoholic and, and so I rattle off all the information that I'd gathered over the 10 years, you know, mental obsession, physical allergy. She said, that's just words. What's your experience with a mental obsession and physical allergy? Don't know. set sat me on my arts. And so she started telling me some of her experiences. And I was able to relate to that and go back to some of my experiences. Because I'd forgot, you know, 10 years around, you soon forget that stuff and I wasn't working with others. You know, if I'm working with newcomers, I don't forget my last drink and I don't forget my first drink. And so, you know, I was able to sit with her and, and she hit me with some pretty hard stuff, you know. And um, after about two hours, she said, look, Chris, I know you're interested because most people tell me to get effed and walk off because she really cut to the chase like she wasn't mucking around. And I, and, and I said at the start, you know, God sends people and puts them in my path. This woman hit me at exactly the right time that I needed to be hit and, um, and, and so where I was able to sit down and go back for the book, and she said, look, Chris, I don't believe that you're an alcoholic. I want you to read the first 43 pages in that big book and prove to me that you're not an alcoholic. Now, that's backwards, isn't it? You know, I want to prove to you that I am an alcoholic. So I go, all right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to prove to you that I'm not an alcoholic. And so I go through those 43 pages, and I look at each statement in there, and I turn it in back on myself. And you know I couldn't find any evidence that I wasn't. There was a couple of things that I went back and said, see, look, this means that I'm not. And she would say, well hang on a minute, let's look at that. And, 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 so I'd go over my drinking story and, um, she snuffed it out, you know what I mean? So by looking that I wa- looking at that I wasn't an alcoholic, scary thing to do when you're 10 years old, but people said, that's stinking, thinking Chris, because I run stuff by my friends and that, they go, oh well, don't go there, you'll drink again. And, and she just said to me, don't listen to them, do you trust and believe that I, that I have got a solution for her. And I did, I, I was desperate. And so I, I, I came to believe in what this woman was saying and, um, and so we get into the second step and, and, and she got me to do an exercise which, you know, was really, for me it was a really good exercise because, you know, she said, do you believe? And, I, and so I rattle all the, I believe, you know, look at all this stuff that's happened in my life. And she said, well, how come you're not acting today like you believe? Because, you know, you're suicidal and, and, and what's going on. So she said, you know, it, there's a statement in the book that says God is either everything or he's nothing. What is our choice to be? She said, I want you to go home and I want you to consider that there is no God and God is nothing. And get back to me in a week and see how you go with that. So right, I'll go home and consider that God's nothing. And I saw that I was acting like God was nothing anyway, so it was nothing it wasn't hard for me to consider the way I was running my life and, 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 and you know, I'd gone back to the way I was and, and ego rebuilt. I, I I was living that anyway, so I saw and I didn't want that, I can tell you that, so I get back and I'm happy to report in and say, I don't want to I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm effed, you know, and um I'm trying not to swear give me the power um, and so she says right now I want you to consider go away and consider for whether that God is everything and what a great consideration if God is everything and, and so I go away with that and I think man God is everything you know he can do anything you know and, and I was able to reflect back over my life and, and see that you know, God's been part of my life. I've had people, I've had signposts when I was drinking, when I've been sober, when I've been in pain. I've had signposts all along. And the trouble is I refuse to look at them or I don't see them. It's not until I get awakened to the spirit of them that I start to see them. And, um, and so it was a really good exercise for me to come to believe. And, and when you've got the flamethrower on your ass on the first step, you will come to believe. You know, if I see that I have no control, I'm going to drink no matter what, and I'm going to keep stuff no matter what, it's pretty easy to move into the second step. I heard on a on a CD again by a Catholic priest who'd been saved about twenty years and he said the most profound thing about the steps are that they're numbered. You know, what's he talking about? Numbered. And and I thought about it because when I first come in I go I look at them, I go, Yeah, not gonna do that, yeah, maybe that, nah, not gonna do that one, yeah, no nah. I get down to twelve and I'm gonna do twelve. I'm gonna go save people and you know and and so I was picking and choosing, and um, thank God for good sponsorship. Said they're numbered for a reason. Chris, you do them in the order that they are, because each, each one leads into the other. If I've got step one, I can do step two. If I get step two, I can do step three. And once I've done step three, it tells me to launch off into a, in a program of action. You know, and um, and so I do step three, and I get down on my knees, and and we do it regularly at a meeting that I I go to. You know, we. We all do it together and we all get down on our knees and, 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 we, and we do it, you know. And I have an experience every time we do it, every time we do it. And, and um, you know, I write a four-step and, and I'm constantly writing inventory. You know, it says um, business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke, So that to mean regular is regular, you know. I took one inventory in the first four years, i was say. There's no regular inventory in there. And so I'm, I'm a guy that writes regular inventory because I constantly get resentful and I constantly... Fears come up and I constantly, you know, um, um, muck up and so I need to keep myself and, and, and get back on track. Five minutes. Geez. <laughs> um, Thanks, James. I'll pay you afterwards. <laughs> um, where was I going? Yeah, so I, I, I constantly write inventory and, and I constantly share that with others. and, and, and um, Prayer and meditation. You now, again, it was said to me, Chris. You know, your relationship with people. You can't, if you've got relationship with your wife, for instance. It's not about you doing all the talking and uh, not letting her talk or not listening to what she has to say. And she said, you know, God's a bit like that. You know, if you're doing all the talking and not listening, it's not really a relationship, is it? It's just a one-way street. Now, I need simple stuff like that to understand what's going on, I need to be told simple and it just dawned on me, I'd been doing a lot of asking all my life but never sat back and listened actually sat there quietly and listened to what God was uh, talking to me about and so I try and put prayer and meditation in on a daily basis and I just follow what's written in the big book, it it gives us some great examples about morning meditation during the day meditation and and evening review And and you know I've been promised, you know, if you do that constantly, you know, your life will take on new meaning, and 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 you'll rock it off in, into a different direction that you you never p- believed possible, and that's that's what's happened to me. You know, the last eight years of of sobriety, you know, I've done things that I never thought were believable. I've been able to do things and and help people and 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 um, and repair the damage of the past. You know, that, that stealing all that money from the old man, I had to go and make amends for that. Now, I didn't want to do that. There was I ran around with a crowd that were talking about amendses, and I'm drifting off step two but David gave me permission so I'll blame him um, you know I, I was hearing from people from the states and, and some people in Sydney that were making amends that I thought were airy fairy and only read about in the big book because I just went up and said sorry to a lot of people you know and um, wondered why they didn't forgive me or didn't accept my apology and, and the sponsor pointed out to me Chris you've been saying sorry all your life and continuing to do the same thing over and over again Any wonder people don't won't accept what you're what you're doing and 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 so, you know, I was able to go back and make amends to a father that didn't talk to me for five years, I was able to go back and make amends to a brother that didn't talk to me for five years and, and um and I was able to pay that money back and it was over twenty odd thousand dollars that I'd stolen and I was able to go and, and I started paying him in on the instalment plan, you know, whenever I had a bit of money I'd start to pay him and, you know, then I started to um um not pay him and, and wonder why I was suffering with financial insecurity. And I remember whinging to my sponsor one day, I'm sick of being this financial insecurity fear. And she said, You paid that money back yet? <laughs> no. Nah. Well, I suggest if you want to um, get over financial insecurity, you go and pay that money back. And, um, and so I did, and, and, and I was able to make amends to my dad and pay that money back, and, and that relationship's repaired today, you know. I can go and talk to my father and you know, sitting there making amends and going over all the stuff and, and when I'd finished he goes, Is that, is that it now, you finished? You know, he didn't he did, but he accepted that and, and um and, and I was able to ask him, is there any other way that I've harmed you that I don't know about and so I go through a real process when I make amends and um and, and that that's been repaired. The same thing in relationship with my brother, you know, caused through resentment. And you know, for five years not once did I ever consider he's how he felt you know and that's what resentment does to me it's all about me 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 what you've done to me and i'm going to get you back and and, and so I was able to go and make amends to my younger brother and i watched the guy transform before me he was red bright red and full of anger and by the time i left he was smiling and shaking me hand and giving me a hug you know and so i see the power of god working through me to to do that you know and that's all hinges on the second step you know if i if i don't come to believe i'm going to miss out on the the the, the spirituality of the whole of the whole deal you know, and um, Oh, and, and you know, at the moment I'm involved with the steps meeting and and and, and, the, and and we take people through the steps in six weeks and people go, You can't do that blah, 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 you know, and if, if I'd listened to everyone say what I can't do, I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing today, you know, and uh, and so you know, we pair people up and I get paired up with the newies every six weeks and, and that revitalises my sobriety it gets me back to, because I go through them with step one and that reminds me of my step one because I share my experience on step one with them and this is what happened to me and it takes me back 18 years ago or 20 years ago because I I tend to forget. The memory has a tendency to fade. You know, it it talks about in there, and I'll better shut up soon. Um, It talks about, you know, um, um, we can't remember the suffering humiliation of a week or a month ago, okay? Now, if that's fine when you're first sober, what's it like when you're 20 years sober? You know what I mean. So I've got to constantly work with others to, to renew my zest and renew my enthusiasm. And I'm in. I, I was talking to someone last night, and I, I tend to gabble on because I get pretty enthused. And I'm glad I'm enthused because I lost that enthusiasm for 18 years of sobriety. And I'm as enthusiastic, enthusiastic today as I was like over the last eight years of sobriety. You know, I'm enthused. I'm enthused about helping other people and trying to pass this on. And they don't get it. A lot of them don't get it. And I was down about that too. But again, it was pointed out to me, look at Bill Wilson, the first few people he worked with kept getting drunk. you know. And, but he stayed sober and that's what I need to do to stay sober. And I'll finish on this, a couple of things. Everyone always says that, don't they? I'll finish on this, a couple of things. <laughs> Through our workshop, the guy who we play a CD, and the guy poses a really interesting question on the CD and it's one that I ponder quite often. And, and he talks about there's no middle-of-the-road solution. And he says, you're doing middle-of-the-road solution because there's three parts of that triangle it talks about. And he said, a good way to look at that is to look at... He said, what would Alcoholics Anonymous be like if everyone in AA was doing sobriety the way you're doing sobriety? Okay. Now, I look at that and think, God, the first three years, he would have all been out there drinking because, you know... And so I really... That's my yardstick on how to measure my sobriety day. What's it going to be like if everyone in AA is doing it the way I'm doing it? And I'd like to think it's in pretty good care today, you know. And another thing I'll say, and I will shut up after this, I was heard on a CD the other day, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, it was about an old fella and a, a new member at a meeting one day, and the new member says to the old fella, gee, that was a really good meeting, and the old member says, it was a bunch of BB." And the younger member's trying to wear BB bullshit or batman. He said, What's BB? And he said, I don't know, but it wasn't AA. This share and other shares like it are available from our website. Steps Weekend. .aogroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.